0: Uh, Thank you for being here. Turn to Proverbs chapter 9, or Proverbs 9, if you will, and I'm going to give you a few uh, stories, a few analogies, a few quotes to just kind of set the tempo. I thought these were really cool. Here's the first one. When speaking about wisdom, the Bible says this. The Bible says, seek her, seek wisdom as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Okay. Silver and hidden treasures are located underneath the ground. They require digging. The fact that treasures are hidden implies that it's not on top of the ground and obvious to the casual eye. Why would God not make wisdom available for anyone to pick up too easily? Because it's too valuable. Because it's too valuable. He doesn't want folks to pick it up who don't intend on using it. He has placed wisdom as a hidden treasure underneath the ground for those who really want it. I believe that's part of the reason why you guys are here. I commend you for that. Just like people who truly desire to find gold don't mind digging and working to find it, wisdom is only to be found by people who value it enough to search for it. Isn't that great? Here's an an Arab proverb. Check this out. (laughs) He that knows not and knows not that he knows not, he is a fool. Shun him. But the next three are fantastic. He that knows not and knows that he knows not, he's simple. Teach him. He that knows and knows not that he knows, he's asleep. Wake him. And he that knows and knows that he knows, he is a wise man. Follow him. Another thought. If a student is too lazy to study, they shouldn't complain when they receive an F on a test. If a Christian is too lazy to find out what God says about a subject, he shouldn't be surprised when he lacks the understanding he needs to handle situations in life. One guy says this. This is another story. He says, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. You remember that saying? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. I have no idea what that means. I'm sure that's not true. It's okay to say apples are good for you, but I don't actually think an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? But who knows? An apple a day keeps the doctor away, but I don't like apples, this pastor says. They tell me apples are very delicious. I just don't like them. Except when I go to the state fair and I get candied apples. They take the apple and they dip them in liquid sugar. Then, me and apples, we're all right. The problem is that the way the apples have been prepared, the nutritional value has now been destroyed. By mixing the apples with the sugar, things are now kind of messed up. The apples will hurt me now, not help me. When you mix human wisdom with divine wisdom... You cancel the divine wisdom. All you have is human wisdom. That's what the Bible calls being a double-minded man, being secular and sacred at the same time. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are here because we want to search for wisdom as we would hidden treasures in silver. Father, just give us, empower us, Holy Spirit, with a diligence to to search for the things that you value most, which is that we would live lives full of wisdom and not full of foolishness wisdom leads to life foolishness leads to death oh lord may we search for that diligently we pray give us strength it's in jesus name we all prayed and everybody said amen so some things worth noting in uh, in proverbs 9 proverbs 9 actually summarizes chapters 1 through 8 It's basically a summary Proverbs. And what it does is it contrasts the invitation of wisdom. So there's 18 verses in chapter 9, and it it goes 6, 6, and 6, okay? So the contrast, the first 6 verses, 1 through 6, is the invitation of wisdom. The last six verses, 13 through 18, is the invitation of foolishness or folly. And in the middle, you'll find some interesting truths in verses 7 through 12. So you got wisdom in 1 through 6, folly in 13 through 18, and then some interesting contrast between the two, smack dab in the middle. So six verses, six more, and six more. Wisdom and its rival folly are portrayed as two women each preparing a feast and inviting young men to their houses. (laughs) That's what we see here in Proverbs 9. Lady wisdom versus lady folly. Lady Wisdom is portrayed as a responsible woman of character and wealth, preparing a banquet, while Lady Folly is portrayed as a harlot, inviting young men to a sensual meal of stolen water and food, eaten in secret. And so what it does is it just, it it, it shows us the contrast that we already know about. You have God and you have the devil. You have good and you have evil. You have wisdom and you have folly. Or foolishness. That's all it's showing us. We're in one of those camps or the other. Let's read Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9, okay? So remember, first six verses, wisdom, last six verses, folly, and some interesting truths smack dab in the middle. Okay, we're in the New American Standard Bible. If you don't know that, there's a Bible in front of you. If you need one, take it home. That's the New American Standard Bible on your phone if you're looking on your phone. Wisdom, verse 1, has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. And she has sent out her maidens. And she calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Lady Wisdom. Verse 7, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. But reprove a wise man and he will love you. How well do you receive rebuke and reproof from others? Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, which is wisdom speaking, for by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now we got into Lady Folly. Verse 13, the woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive. She knows nothing. She also sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city. And she also calls to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. And She says similarly as Lady Wisdom, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Here's our outline, as we've already basically mentioned. Lady Wisdom in verses 1 through 6, Lady Folly in 13 through 18, and then the liable party. We have a responsibility to choose between the two. The liable party is you. The liable party is me. We hold the responsibility on what we're going to choose every day of our lives. Okay? So we're going to do the first stanza, 1 through 6. Then we're going to do the third one, 13 through 18, and then we're going to do the middle one, okay? All right, let's reread verses 1 through 6. Lady Wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food, mixed her wine, set her table. She sent out her maidens, and she calls. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, drink of the wine, forsake your folly, and live, and proceed in the way of understanding. These verses reveal an amazing and encouraging truth. You know what that amazing and encouraging truth is? (laughs) That the house of wisdom has been built. It's finished. It's done. The house of wisdom is finished. She's open for business. (laughs) Everything is ready. And all are invited. Verse 4 says, whoever, come in. All of us are invited. Similarly, in the New Testament, James chapter one verse five says virtually the same thing. James one verse five says, "If anybody, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him." Isn't that great? So (laughs) we know of the House of Blues. We know of the International House of Pancakes. We know of the House of Representatives. We know of the House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> but more, most importantly, more importantly, the House of Wisdom has been built for you, for you and for you and for you and for you. It has been built. Now, there are various suggestions about the meaning in verse one where it says that she has hewn out her seven pillars. Various suggestions. But in studying the text for me, it appears to reveal the thoroughness and the perfection of our Lord in providing the very wisdom that leads to life. Check out what I mean by this. There are actually seven components listed in these first six verses. I don't know that these are what the seven pillars are, but I just think it's coincidental that there are seven things mentioned in these six verses. It says in verse two, this is component number one. In verse two, she has prepared her food. That's the first component. Verse 2 says that she has mixed her wine. That's the second component. Verse 2 also says that she has set her table. It's one thing to prepare your food and to mix your wine, but what do you do with it? You have to put it in a place where people can partake, right? And so the third component is that she has set her table. And the fourth component, it says that she calls, that wisdom now calls. She makes an invitation, That's the fourth component in verse 3. And then our fifth component found in verse 4 says, then we turn. So wisdom calls, and then we can choose to turn. That's the fifth component. And when we turn, the sixth component in verse 5 says, we eat. And then the seventh component says, we drink. I don't know if those are the seven pillars, but what it tells me is God has completely given us everything we need. Food, wine, the table set. She calls, we turn, we eat, we drink, boom, we are satisfied and we have life. Wisdom has built her house. That's just my take on the seven pillars, if you will. Everything is in place for us to eat and drink of the Lord's wisdom. Everything. But we must make a choice. But we Must make a choice. Look what it says in verse 6. It tells us everything, right? Come eat of my food, verse 5. Come drink of the wine. Those are the seven elements. But verse 6 says we have to choose to do that. Verse 6 says forsake your folly and live. We have to choose to walk away from foolishness and to pursue wisdom. Folly means simple ways. It means foolishness. It means immaturity. God is saying we don't have to be immature. We have a banquet. Of wisdom at our disposal okay so in verses 1 through 6 we can glean the following reality okay yeah it's on the screen this is what we get from verses 1 through 6 we get a clear picture of our condition our condition is we are foolish by nature this is what this tells us i'll explain in a second But it also tells us our provision. Our provision is that we can have wisdom in place of being foolish by nature. And then, therefore, if we choose wisdom, then our destination is we can have life. Our condition is foolishness. That's what we just read in verse 6. When when wisdom makes its invitation in verses 1 through 5, it says in verse 6, Forsake your folly and pursue wisdom. Forsake your folly and live. That means, then, we have to forsake our sinful nature. We have to submit our lives to the Lord through the person of Jesus Christ. We have to forsake our nature, forsake our flesh. That is our condition. Our condition is foolishness, which is death, which is separation from God. Our provision is wisdom. Verse 1 says that wisdom has built Her house and everything is in its place. That's our provision from the Lord. And then verse 6 says, verse 6 says, Forsake your folly and you will live. Okay? Now, let's do Lady Folly, verses 13 through 18. Let's read 13 through 18. The woman of folly is boisterous, she's naive, (laughs) she knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. On a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn and hear. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. In these six verses, quite simply, we see just the opposite of verses 1 through 6. It's just the opposite. There's also seven components here, just like there were in verses 1 through 6. Let me give you those seven components. It says that Lady Folly is boisterous, naive, knows nothing. Those are replaced, it was food, drink, and a set table. Those are the three things, boisterous, naive, and knows nothing. There's nothing there compared to food and drink and a prepared table. And then four and five are the same as Lady Wisdom. The fourth element is she calls. Lady Wisdom called as well. And the fifth element here in these verses, Lady Folly, is that we turn. That's what it says in verse 16. So Lady Folly calls and we turn, just like Lady Wisdom called and we turn. So those fourth and fifth elements are identical. And then the sixth element is stolen water, and the seventh element is secret, secret bread. It's not good food. It's stolen water and secret bread. So we see similarly seven elements in Lady Folly as we saw in Lady Wisdom. So let me point out a few things. The fourth element she calls is in verse 15. It says, calling on those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. What that means, church, is that folly calls to us wherever we are. Folly will call to us no matter where we go, she calls. We don't need to go looking for foolishness. <laughs> It'll call to us. Just wake up, go somewhere, and foolishness is all around you. Lady Folly calls all the time. But what's interesting is look who it says she's calling on. Calling on those who pass by who are making their paths straight. Her audience is those that are trying to live well, trying to live in wisdom. That's who Lady Folly's going after. If you're already a fool, she's got you. She ain't calling to you. It's the people that are trying to make their paths straight is who she's going after. Hmm. This stolen water in verse 17, it represents another man's wife. It says in Proverbs to drink from your own cistern, right? Have sex with your own wife. This is what stolen water means. It means representing another man's wife, which In today's vernacular, it's sexual immorality, sexual sin. In the secret bread that's mentioned in verse 17, it refers to criminal schemes that tempt a young man to easy money. Think about it. You turn on the news, almost everything, any drama is something that's sexual in nature or money in nature, right? Oh, 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 the sins of sex and money and finances, And unlike verse 6 that promises life, verse 18 promises death. He does not know that the dead are there, verse 18 says. Here's what's really cool. Notice that the exact same language takes place in both invitations. Check out verse 4. Go to verse 4. It says, whoever is naive. So this is the invitation from Lady Wisdom. The invitation is exactly the same. Verse 4, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says. Now go to verse 16. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says. The invitation oftentimes looks exactly like the invitation of Lady Wisdom. And yet, it's Lady Folly. So clearly, then, the big question becomes, how will we know which one is calling? If the invitation sounds the same, how do I know who's calling me? Right? Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. It's like, which one are you? Are you Lady Wisdom or are you Lady Folly? Hmm. Let's go to our middle stanza, the, the liable party part of our message. Proverbs 7, or 9, 7 through 12. Let's read those verses. He who corrects a scoffer or a foolish person gets dishonor for himself. Wow. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Ouch. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Does that ever happen to you? Happens a lot. Happens a lot. People don't want to be reproved and they hate you for it. How dare you call them out on their foolishness even though you've done it out of love? They turn around and they hate you. In the middle of verse 8 says, but if you reprove a wise man, (laughs) he will love you. Give instructions to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, wisdom says, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you're responsible. And if you scoff, you're responsible. Whether you choose wisdom or whether you choose folly, it's you who makes the choice. It's your responsibility. That's what verse 12 says. In verses 10 and 11, we are shown the answer to the question I asked you earlier. How will we know which one is calling. Let's reread verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of life will be added to you. Once again, (laughs) the Lord would have us to know from these verses that only in Him, only In the Lord, through Jesus Christ, can we be wise. Only in the Lord are we considered wise. Only in the Lord can we have life. And only in the Lord can we reject folly. That's that's what this is telling us. Here's a quote. Wisdom, apart from the covenant God, is impossible. That's what this proverb tells us. I don't care how smart you are in the world. I don't care how many degrees you have. It is impossible to be wise apart from the covenant God. It's impossible. You're just an educated fool. No matter how smart we are in the world, we're educated fools. This stanza also reveals quite clearly who is held liable or responsible for the pathway that we choose. Look at verse 12, which we just read. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. So let's be honest. (laughs) Don't we all have people or circumstances that we like to blame for our shortcomings, for our foolishness? Some of us have had to host some really hard paths to get out of some of the stuff that we grew up with. But that's what we have to do. They may, in fact, help us to understand our shortcomings for sure, to say, yeah, I've had to go through some stuff. I I understand what some of my shortcomings might be, foolishness, if you will, or our sin, whatever you want to call it. Nonetheless, in spite of all of that, no matter what we can point to, whatever we've gone through, whatever circumstances, whatever tough things that we've gone through, nonetheless, verse 9 shows that each of us alone is capable of choosing and responsible for choosing. The Lord wants us to know that each and every one of us is capable of choosing between the two, choosing wisdom or choosing folly. We're capable and we're responsible. Otherwise, that verse wouldn't be there. And I praise God for that. I've I've used this analogy for years. We all live somewhere. You wake up the next morning, and there's a pile of manure on your driveway. You don't know where it came from, but guess who owns it now? (laughs) You do. You can all you want say, that's not my manure. I didn't put it there. Yep, but it's going to stink up your life until you get rid of it. It kind of (laughs) stinks that it's there, but it's now your responsibility to get rid of it. You're capable, and you're responsible. And so many of us, perhaps, we've had piles of manure dumped on us more than once, and we're responsible, and we're capable of getting rid of it, and not blaming it on that. I love that. God is so good. If we go down the pathway of folly, we chose that. If we go down the pathway of wisdom, we chose that. One commentary says this about verse 12. Verse 12 reminds us that the Lord wants to build godly character into our lives. And we can't borrow character from others or give our character to them. It's an individual matter that involves individual decisions. Amen? Yeah. If we are not eating from the banquet of lady wisdom, then we are eating from the banquet of Lady Folly, those are the only two places you get to eat from. It's clear in Scripture. For not eating from the banquet of Lady Wisdom, then believe you me, we are eating from the banquet of Lady Folly. It's the only options that we have. Both Matthew chapter twelve and Luke chapter eleven say this. This is what Jesus is saying: He who is not with me is against me. People say, well, I don't have anything against Jesus. I'm just not for him. Oh, then you're against him. You're not eating from his banquet, so you're eating from the banquet of foolishness, from folly, from evil, from the world, not from the Lord. Verse 10 reveals that we must attack this with both heart and head. Let's look at verse 10 again. We gotta attack this wisdom with heart and head. Not just heart, not just head, but both. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the heart part. That fear is a reverential fear. It's making sure that our heart is calibrated to an Almighty God, I love you, Lord. Great. But now you've got to attack it with your head. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. What's the calibration of our heart, and how do we reverence the Lord? There's many ways to reverence the Lord. Drop to your knees and pray, and it shows that you are a a subject of the Almighty King, right? Carve out time in your schedule and give it to the Lord to be in prayer, to be in fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, to be in the Word, to serve Him and to serve others. That's how we reverence the Lord. And of course, we need to increase our knowledge of Him as well. We've got to do both. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We can't just read, 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 read and learn things about Him. We have to reverence Him as well with our life, not just take in information. How can we do that better in 2019? How can we do those two things better, love Him with heart and mind, better in 2019 than we ever have before? In what ways can you fear the Lord better in the new year? When, when we're in worship, and maybe that's not your thing, is there a way to reverence him a little bit better during our time of worship than you're doing now? Is there a way to reverence him when you're driving in your car just a little bit more than you do now? Is there a way to reverence him in your relationships in the way that you serve a little bit more now than you have before? And then, of course, in what ways can you enhance the knowledge of the Holy One? In what ways can you enhance the knowledge of God? The knowledge of the Holy One is how we gain understanding. Lastly, verses 7 through 9 will help us to gauge which path we are on. <laughs> Let's reread 7, 8, and 9. For sake, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. So is that your pathway? Do you turn on people when they try to speak truth into your life? Do you turn on things that are trying to bring truth into your life? Do you reject those things? Or, in the middle of verse 8, reprove a wise man And he will love you. Are you loving people that are speaking truth into your life? Who are you loving that speaks into your life truth? Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. Are you gaining instruction? Are you gaining in your learning? (laughs) For those of us that put ourselves in this wise and righteous category, right, that's what it says. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be still wiser. Verse 9, teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. If you put yourself in that wise and righteous category, we are to be wiser still, it says. We are to be wiser still. This is both an encouragement and a warning. It's an encouragement. If you're wise, if you're righteous, well done. Be wiser still. That's an encouragement and a warning. If we truly desire to grow in wisdom and righteousness, what these verses tell us... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to put you guys on the spot because you're going to have to all raise your hand, right? Who wants to grow in their wisdom and righteousness in 2019? Please raise your hand. Oh, I do, Pastor Mark. Right? Yes, we all want to grow in our wisdom and in our righteousness. (laughs) If we truly desire that, then rebuke must have its way in your life. Rebuke and reproof must find a way into your life. That's what the last half of eight and all of nine says. Let me reiterate that. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be, be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. A fool hates reproof, it says. Hates correction, but a wise man embraces it. If we truly desire, then we must be rebukable. <laughs> what is your rebuke ability? <laughs> One of the key indicators between wisdom and foolishness is our teachability, our moldability, our growability, our rebukeability. We must come to understand the daily need to be taught. Check out what Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5 say. And this is all throughout the Psalms. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my deliverance, my salvation. For you I wait all the day. All day, every day. We need to be teachable, moldable, shapeable, (laughs) rebukable. Here's what I want to close with. Check this out. Go to John chapter 6. This is really interesting. I think John chapter 6, in this part of John's gospel where Jesus is speaking, go to John 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Old Testament is is just foreshadowing the coming of Jesus Christ, right? John chapter 6, starting at verse 51. Check this out. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, we're not talking cannibalism here, he will live forever because Lady Wisdom has built her house, right? If anyone eats of this bread, he or she will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In other words, I'm going to die on the cross for you. And when you partake of me, you have life. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Ooh, that's gross. Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, so there's the food and there's the drink, you have no life in yourselves. Wisdom, true wisdom, true perfection, true life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will also live because of me. And This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. True wisdom is found in the Lord God Almighty as expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. We live through him, the true wisdom that came for us. What a great proverb for Christmas season. Amen?